Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Ego Chat Podcast. My name is Preston Byers and as always I'm joined by my co-host Justin Binkowski and on today's episode we will be kind of getting back into things after uh, an unexpectedly long break uh, but we're back and we're here to talk about um, some major one stuff uh, because we didn't do a preview show or cover the event uh, since it's happened. Uh, but we will also be discussing some of the roster news that has happened post major one uh, as we uh, draw closer to um, the beginning of the major two qualifying matches. But before we do any of that, how are you doing, Bink? I'm doing all right. Just to uh, explain the unexplained absence for a little bit. Um I got COVID without actually getting COVID, but basically had COVID. And uh, unlike people who get COVID and have a fever and stuff, then my worst symptoms was a sore throat and not really being able to talk, which isn't really uh, productive for a podcast. So it was unfortunate timing. Then we had the holidays and stuff. So I uh, apologize for that delay if you guys were looking for content around the first major. But uh, barring anything else, unexpected happening health-wise uh, coming up soon. We should be back into swing things for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm glad you're feeling better. Um, I was sick last year around the holidays, and it sucked. Uh, so I'm glad that, you know, it, it's not that important to do a podcast, especially when you're having pretty severe symptoms from um, not COVID, but essentially COVID. So I, I'm glad you're feeling dodged better, it, man. Dodged it for three years. Couldn't, couldn't uh, make it longer, though. You gotta dodge like me and not go outside or talk to anybody except your girlfriend. Hey, I, I, I mean that's what you know. My mom brought it home, so you know I can couldn't I didn't even leave the house and it just got me. Yeah, that's a bad teammate. That's a gym like move <laughs> to bring in COVID. Um, let's get into this uh this episode. Um, so first of all, let's let's talk about the major. Uh, like I said, we didn't do a preview show. That was right when uh, Bink got sick, and um, we just kind of been uh, out of out of commission since then but uh the very first major of the 2023 call of duty league season did happen uh before the holiday break um it happened in raleigh north carolina and this uh this is the only pro-am uh, style tournament of the season so this was a five hundred thousand dollar tournament uh which invited all 12 of the uh, call of duty league teams and then the top eight uh, challengers teams uh, so a few teams from north america from europe uh, and then one from apac and one from latin america um, i'll bring up the um, the bracket uh, here on the screen in just a second um, but uh, give me your i, I don't know how you want to go over this without you know completely detailing it like we usually do on our post major shows um, but kind of what are your biggest takeaways or what stood out to you um, in this uh, first major of the CDL season? Yeah, so I'll try to keep it as short and sweet as possible. Um, first, most importantly, since we uh, didn't do a preview show or a recap show of the second week of qualifiers for the major one qualifiers, um, most notably with those matches, we don't have to talk about them, but the biggest thing of note was that the M4 was GA'd, which got us to our current meta right now of the TAC slash the SCAR assault rifle and the VASDEV submachine gun. Um, 
that obviously paid dividends for certain teams and affected other teams that played better with the M4 during the first week of qualifiers, but uh, that is definitely worth noting. And I will say, as you know, someone who likes to play a little more OBJ-minded or aggressive with a submachine gun myself, um, I think this current meta is, is more beneficial to the subs just because, you know, the SCAR is that better gun at long range. Sub will do the job, close range, and then that medium range is where, you know, some mixy stuff can happen, as opposed to when we had the M4 just being a do-it-all weapon. Almost had four M4s on the maps at some times. So um, it was kind of a breath of fresh air in my eyes uh, throughout the qualifiers and the major in particular to see that weapon meta shift and... Uh, barring any unexpected GAs that I haven't heard anything about that should be the meta heading into uh, this week's qualifiers as well. Um, but speaking of the major itself, even uh, before we get to this bracket, that if you're watching the video version on screen, I even forgot about it myself that this was technically a pro-am, uh, which means there was the groups before we got into the actual winner's bracket. And uh, just right away, none of the... Uh, or actually, did Elevate make it out no they didn't so no, um no, none of the pro-am teams made it into the winner's bracket elevate which was i believe that was gizmo's team uh how do i look for that roster elevate denza gizmo harry and vortex so some guys who were on london uh vortex has been around i, I remember him from the epsilon infamous epsilon days um Elevate made some noise, causing some upsets, and uh, so did LAG Academy, but they weren't able to go uh, beyond the group stage of the event, and uh, most notably Boston, um, London, Boston, London, and Optic were eliminated before uh, the bracket play stage, as well as uh, LAG, so that's Optic, LAG. Boston and London were, yeah, they were the CDL teams that didn't make it into the top eight. Um, Boston kind of had a little bit of an unfortunate situation with Awakening getting sick. That led to Beans' debut in their second match. Um, so not, you know, obviously Boston didn't get the results that they were probably expecting just because they played well in the first week of qualifiers with the M4. I don't remember exactly what they did in the second week of qualifiers, but uh, they didn't get their desired result at the major. Um same thing kind of with London. We were talking about last time we did a show before the qualifiers, how London was looking really strong in S&D, especially during that first week of qualifiers. Um, and things didn't go their way at the major as well. Uh, but the big shock for most people probably was Optic getting that top 12 finish. Um, they ended up, I know they lost to Florida, but I'll just look at their group yeah so they beat florida 3-2 in the first round got swept by toronto in the qualifying match um in the winner's side and then lost 3-2 to florida in their qualifying match in the loser side so um disappointing performance out of optic to you know any fan standards but especially the green wall um which inevitably leads to some roster stuff we'll get into here in a little bit but i just know off the top of my head without going into depth, they, they had a couple S&D leads that they threw away. Um, that's the most notable thing I remember just off the top of my head. But, you know, regardless of circumstances around the actual losses, just a top 12 finish for the green wall is going to sting more than usual. And, you know, considering Scum's final year, possibly the longest break we have uh, or just had between majors this season, um, it meant, you know, 
the optic was going to try to be proactive and make a change when they could. So uh, that's the group talk stuff. And then the uh, biggest thing from uh, the major, you just got to give props to subliners. Um, New York absolutely fried all weekend at this event. Um, had a little bit of a hiccup in the winner's bracket against Seattle. There was a controversial situation on a CeeLo control. Unlike the previously discussed SAE bug, uh, there was like some controller issue or something with Hydra um, that led to Seattle sneaking away with that control win and then eventually taking that series. But uh, New York was able to make the run through the loser's bracket, get a rematch against the Surge, and then just you know dominated from there to win the series. I believe Kismet took home MVP honors. Uh, all four players on New York really just fried. I remember there was one point during the event they showed the top 10 KDs and just all four of New York's players are in the top 10, even for a guy like Kismet, who, you know, more OBJ dirty work minded. That's that's pretty impressive. So uh, pretty good run out of them. Seattle getting second. You know, uh, we've, we've talked about Seattle at length, with especially this roster that's been together for more than a year now. Um, they, they have the, that potential to be in championships on a consistent basis, and they showed it here again at this event. Uh, FaZe getting third might be, you know, a little bit of a disappointment to, you know, FaZe fans who expect that dynasty, but uh, when their losses are to the first and second place teams, I, I, I don't think you can take, uh, you know, be too hard on yourselves if you're in the Atlanta camp there. Um, and then uh, Toronto, Looked good with, with Scrappy. Had some highlight reel moments. Dandy, too, I remember. Um, uh, but, you know, you had the Thieves kind of disappointing following up their their back-to-back chips to end the Vanguard season. Um, a lot more stuff we can talk about. And I'll, I'll throw it out quick, too, that uh, Vegas, once again, looked pretty solid. I just know we talked about in qualifiers that um, Vegas – you know, had some moments where they, they looked good, but they weren't getting the wins, but the matches were closer than you might have expected for a Vegas slash Paris team in the past. Um, Vegas getting, I believe, top six at this tournament. Yeah, getting top okay. six. That That's, you know, definitely a good start for the uh, Vegas rebrand, in my opinion. Yeah, so, I, was, uh, I was concerned you actually were going to forget about the Legion because, uh, I mean, in a tournament where... A team like Optic and uh, the Gorillas, who had you know these like long-term players under contract for the, the for the Legion to outplace them and not just outplace them, but get into the the bracket and win a round in the bracket is pretty incredible, considering how bad they have obviously been. Um, not specifically this roster, but the team as a whole has been uh, since pretty much the first season. Uh, so, uh, you know, obviously big uh, props to the Legion for beating the Rocker and getting that top six finish. And I'm sure that's, you know, kind of a, a moral victory in a sense because it's not anywhere close to winning a championship or being a real competitor. But uh, it's a big step up from what the Legion fans um, have been accustomed to over the past several years. And um, I did also uh, want to mention that the Nikki D curse is dead, I believe. I or it must be it must have stayed in Seattle. He left it behind. He forgot it when he moved uh, to Atlanta, um, because it it didn't work out for them. It, it was a good series. Went to Game Five, but Seattle was still able to uh, beat Phase, which um, 
obviously has to be a little bit concerning for uh, Atlanta fans, considering this is kind of a trend now, like uh, over basically an entire season. And now we're into essentially the first fifth, uh, fourth or fifth of the season this year. And uh, Seattle has almost always gotten the better of phase. Um, and I'm not entirely sure uh, why. And um, I mean, I will get, we'll get into uh, some of these roster changes or these uh, rumored changes that seemingly fell through. But um, the fact that Seattle was kind of possibly thinking of changing their roster, um, especially in such a big way after beating phase and getting to the grand final of a major um, really baffles me. But um, I don't want to just keep talking about it. But uh, yeah, uh, the subliners for sure. That that really surprised me. I was, uh, I, I mean, I don't think m most of us were expecting um, the subliners to come out and be the best team um, and especially come from the loser's bracket and win three straight matches to get to the grand final. Just an incredible run and something that Crim6 is probably going to be punched in the air for because uh, that was that's incredible. Um, but uh, definitely big props to them. Yeah, and I think the, the biggest thing, obviously, with our hiatus is we didn't really get to talk about that second week in the transition mm -hmm. uh, from the M4 to Discover meta that we kind of mentioned. But uh, I'm looking back here at my notes. I am pretty sure New York went 0-2 in the first week of the qualifiers. I could go back one more to look, but I'm on the second week. In the second week of matches, they 3-0 LAG, um, and then they beat Boston 3-2. I believe that was there. Yeah, so they went 2-0 and mm -hmm. in the qualifiers leading up to this, as opposed to they lost 3-0 to London in the first week. And 3-1 and then, Yeah, why don't I see that? Oh, it's the last match. Yeah. So 0-2 to 2-0 to major championship. Um, might, might seem a little weird just because we didn't have that little nugget to talk about in the middle. But, um, yeah, I, I think... You know, obviously, if you watch the first week of the qualifiers, you definitely weren't expecting this, but um, they, they've got to be the team to beat in most people's eyes right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, even Seattle, like their run to the the major grand final is is pretty pretty weird. Obviously, I mean, week one they go zero and two, just like uh, the New York Subliners. They lose to uh, LAG in Boston. Then they beat London in week two who had swept um, uh, the subliners in week one, and then they lose to Toronto. And then in the major, you know, they, um, they even lost to, uh, or I'm looking at, no, uh, or whatever. I was looking at the groups, uh, but they lost a the phase in the groups. And then they avenged that loss in the bracket. And um, uh, of course they did beat the subliners and then lost to the subliners. But um just a, a lot of props to um, the subliners and the surge, uh, particularly for bouncing back from, you know, kind of unfavorable online conditions, especially with the meta change, uh, really like between the two weeks and then um, not a lot of practice to get used to everything. So, um, you know, uh, kind of a, an unusual tournament, especially with the format. Uh, we had these uh, pro-am uh, teams or these challengers teams coming up and playing uh, these pro teams, but I think overall it was a it was a fun experience. I I think more tournaments should be like this, where we incorporate the challengers teams, uh, the top challengers teams, because I think it gives 
those teams something to play for uh, other than just a prize pool, uh, you know, in the pit. Like, they actually get a chance to sh uh, prove themselves. And, of course, there weren't any of these uh, challengers teams that made it into the 18 bracket, but some were close, and uh, this was definitely a big tournament for um, the LAG Academy roster because it allowed them to prove that um, they were actually good enough to be on a CDL roster. Um, uh, you want to get to that or do you have any other lasting thoughts, uh, before we move on? Yeah, I was going to use Pred as a jumping board, but you can go ahead with that. I was just going to say, you know, obviously with the meta change, an explosive SMG like Pred is probably going to be more benefit, uh, see more benefits from, you know, not having to deal with four M4s as opposed to being able to have that strong Vaznev in his hands. But, uh, yeah, there's, you know, a lot of fallout from the results of this major that, you know, I'm going to jump right into now. Yeah, so uh, let's start with LAG uh, just for convenience. But um, the Gorillas, they finished top 12 just like Optic, and their academy team also finished top 12 at the major. Um, so the top 12 uh, placings at the, the tournament were LAG, LAG Academy, Optic Texas, and Elevate. Um, so LAG's roster for the tournament was Hook, Neptune, Spart, and Arcides. And uh, we talked about it before um, the season started that um, Spart and RCDs had signed, I believe they were three-year deals. That's correct, right? So they signed the the longest extension possible uh, with LAG before the season. Uh, Neptune and Hook had obviously also been on the roster last season, um, but you know it was a pretty uh, disastrous season for LAG, uh, who failed to make champs at even after winning major two and getting all of the points that come with it. So LAG, they go into this tournament and they don't play well. And LAG Academy, whose roster was Exceed, Assault, Diamond Con, and Joe Deceives, they also finish top 12. And um, that, I think, that's a real eye-opener uh, when your Academy team or your your B team, essentially, they can play on par with your CDL team. And I'm assuming they play a lot cheaper as well, uh, considering the contracts that they probably had to give to someone like Hook. Uh, and uh, obviously, Arcides is staying on the roster. But uh, LAG Academy, this is how their first major went. Um, the qualifiers, uh, they beat uh, D1 Gaming and Rocker Academy. They lost in a Game 5 uh, series to Atlanta Phase. They beat London, and then they lost to Seattle Surge, who obviously went on to go to the Grand Finals. Um, and they also won the open bracket of uh, the Challengers uh, tournament. So they they beat Elevate twice and Rocker Academy. Um, and LAG... Uh, after this tournament, they decide, okay, like if we have the same performance from a CDL team that undoubtedly costs much more than this academy team that placed the exact same, why not go with the academy team? And uh, that has pretty much launched these changes. Uh, so Hook has uh, since departed uh, for Optic and um, Neptune and Spart have been moved to the bench uh, making room for Assault, Exceed, and Joe Deceives to uh, make their way onto the roster, um, which you know kind of sucks for Diamond Con for him to get left out in all of this, uh, but it's kind of just how it goes. Uh, what are your thoughts on this move from LAG to bring up three-fourths of their academy roster? 
Yeah, I think first it's important to preface that one. I know you're mentioning money here, but this this isn't Paris. This is you know an organization yeah. backed by the Cronkies, so it's a little bit different. I, I don't think money played a major factor in these decisions. Um, and secondly, it, it's also important to note that LAG Academy was one of, if not the best, academy teams heading into this tournament, even before and they won like. If they won both cups, or I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure they won the most recent cup heading into the major, or maybe they won one, um, at least that I remember. Maybe it was the first one. Not entirely sure, but arguably they were one of the best uh, academy teams at the time. So um, especially in a league without expansion that's, you know, only has 12 teams, um, essentially being like, you know, if, if you got the bottom uh cdl team and then the top challengers team is right above them having like you know the 12th and 13th teams and not much of a separation there outside of actually having a franchise slot so um i i'm excited to see joe deceives in the cdl he, he's a rookie um seemingly coming out of nowhere i don't know his full background uh, I would love to talk to him at some point to get that information but i'm pretty sure i've seen stuff like on twitter that he he got you know, noticed through ranked play, which is an entire other discussion we can have at another time about the importance of ranked play and how it's still uh, very questionable that it's not even in the game yet. But aside from that, uh, I'm excited to see him. Uh, you know, and you both got uh, Exceed and Assault getting another chance in the CDL. Um, Assault being a former world champion and world champion MVP at the 2018 COD Champs. Um, Exceed getting a brief stint with the Minnesota Rocker during NW 2019. Uh, they're both in there. And to be playing against the, you know, prize, prize pool-wise most successful Call of Duty professional of all time in our cities um, should, should have some potential to try and turn around LAG season. I, I will say it's a... a little interesting just on paper to think about assault and arsities on the same team just because you know in the past you would more traditionally think of them both as main ar players um but just due to the nature of the scar i could see it working there might be some issues on different maps if the meta changes whatnot but for now um i i don't think it's a huge issue it's just something to keep in mind heading into the, the debut of this lineup uh but my eyes are definitely on joe deceives to see how he is able to compete with uh these top dogs once now that he's getting an actual shot in the pro league despite uh you know, having a little bit of a teaser or appetizer at the uh, Pro-Am. Now, he, now he's officially uh, that 18-year-old in the CDL, and, and we'll get to see what he does on a regular basis. I love that. Um, I, I don't love that any team or any players get dropped or get benched or whatnot because that it sucks for those guys, especially since we are just through the first major. Um, there have only been a handful of online matches, and they've only had a handful of land matches now, and they're being judged uh, fairly or unfairly against that. And, you know, I'm sure that, or I hope that Spart and Neptune will get another chance uh, to kind of prove themselves that they're worthy of a CDL spot. We'll see if it happens. Uh, but I am also very happy to see challengers players get this opportunity to make an impact and not be put in a position kind of like um, Par Paris was in last year where there's no chance that they're even going to get to the playoffs. They don't really have a chance to make a run at all. Uh, but 
one player, one challenger's player could come in late in the season and get their chance, which isn't really much of a chance. Whereas this is a true chance. Like LAG obviously had a poor first major, but it's only the first major. And now uh, Joe DeSee's Assault and Exceed get to actually prove whether they are deserving of a CDL spot with the Gorillas. Um, I'm just very happy. I think that uh, we need to see more success stories in challengers, um, especially mid-season. Uh, I think there's a lot to be made about the guys like Pred. It's like, oh man, this this kid's really good. Or um, in the past, we've seen it with uh, someone like Simp, who they were just waiting for him to turn 18 so they could officially add him to their CW, uh, CWL roster. But um, you know these these players like Exceed, who have been around for several years um, and kind of got their shot, but did they really? And Assault, who is I would say on the back end of his career, the back half of his career. I don't want to you know cast aspersions or anything, but he was also at his peak five years ago or four and a half years ago, uh, which feels like a lifetime ago. And it really was in Call of Duty sense because look at the the players that he was playing with when EG won the world championship. Aix has been retired for a while now. Silly has been in challengers for a while now. Uh, Apathy has been retired and he, he looks like an old man because he's got so many gray hairs and he's got a kid. He's like a full grown adult. Um, and then uh, Bevels has been around pretty much forever now because of that EG team and he he was uh, a coach in the CDL. So like to think that he's getting another shot, which usually doesn't happen um, unless you're like a big time name, like a big time player. It usually doesn't happen that you get another shot at the top level. And I'm glad that we're here and that, um, you know, LAG has has done this to kind of refresh their roster, whether it works or not. I, I don't know. Um, it's kind of hard to predict any CDL roster performance, especially when Optic of all teams is going out with a top 12 finish. Um, but yeah, I'm just very excited to see what this roster can do, if anything. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing we can uh, kind of set the stage for uh, one of the other teams we're going to be talking about here uh, is that there were rumors of potentially our cities going to Optic and all this. Um, I think he himself actually tweeted something like referencing to his uh, contract. I didn't just look it up. Oh, here it is. Um, he tweeted, some, this was in response to a random fan on Twitter. It says, "I the, the fan goes, I take it, Scump and the boys are ready to scrim. Uh, this was on December 24th, I believe. This is when uh, Chrome posted on CDL Intel. RCD's replies, I mean, I love to play with the red duo. It's just not a realistic thing. It wasn't me. I'm going to be real. It might get me in trouble, but I wanted it. Obviously, those three are godlike, just not how things work with contracts. I owe LAG the same faith and trust they have in me to build something special with them. I'm sorry for dreams being killed. Um, so that just makes reference again to the long-term deal he signed with LAG this past offseason, likely having a very large buyout attached to it, which uh, in the end seemingly prevented him from making a move to Optic. Uh, obviously, we don't know how close any potential move was, but that was heavily rumored uh, during this past little holiday slash post-major one break. Yeah, one note before we move on and we talk about Optic and Pred and all that. Um, this is just kind of like the nature of the beast when it comes to contracts five, six years ago, 
our cities would have been on optic, right? Or pred would have been on optic because there were no contracts or like the idea of contracts were so kind of flimsy that these players could essentially move without any restrictions whatsoever. Uh, but now that RCDS has signed a three-year deal, three years is a long time. I was just talking about that it was like four years ago that Assault was on top of Call of Duty. And, and now he's been out of the league for several years and now he's getting his chance. Three years is a really, really long time in COD. And that's a big commitment uh, for RCs. That's a big commitment for LAG if they do decide to stick with him that entire time. And I, I think... Uh, it's a pretty mature way to look about it look at it uh rc's is like i wanted it but i also have to be realistic and say i committed and lag committed back and now we are in this together whether i wanted to take this incredible opportunity or not and it would be an incredible opportunity to play alongside skump in the final season of his call of duty career and obviously play for optic because he was a chicago huntsman and optic is by far the biggest uh, team in the cdl so it's a it's a very realistic and i think a mature way to look at it from rc's point of view um uh, let's talk about the the optic slash pred stuff uh now because um or let's talk about the real roster change that did happen so dashy has been benched by optic and in his place, uh, Hook will be um, coming to Optic to play uh, alongside his uh, former Dallas Empire trio or duo, making it a trio, Shotzi and Illy, um, who they won a world championship together in 20, what was that, 2020? Um, the first, 2019? It was the first 2020, uh, but yeah, it's MW 2019. Yeah, 2020 yeah. So CDL champs 2020, the Dallas Empire uh, winning the world championship. Hook was a part of that roster, and then they had a really messy breakup. Uh, I believe it was in April 21, and um, you know some things were definitely said. I don't know who uh, they were actually directed at because Hook didn't actually. Uh, say but um, he said that people were talking behind his back and things kind of uh, dissolved and he ended up making his way to the Los Angeles Thieves um, and then he uh, eventually went to the Los Angeles Gorillas but he is now back in Texas uh, he will be taking Dashy's spot um, just on uh, Hook's arrival and Dashy's benching um, what do you think about that and how do you see that going for Optic yeah it's it's definitely an interesting one um most notably and in, in my eyes the the biggest thing that people are going to be looking at is when you're replacing dashy with someone like hook who's known for being an smg uh then now moves well seemingly moves illy into the main assault rifle role unless skump just decides to completely shift gears and become a main ar overnight um seemingly puts Illy in that position to be a main AR, which is something we haven't really seen from him. Obviously, we've seen him use an a, uh, AR, but it hasn't really been uh, in that quote-unquote main role that people like to, you know, slot people into position-wise. So um, not only that, but we'll seemingly also see Skump go to the flex, um, which, you know, there isn't really a flex gun in this game in the current meta, but we'll just seemingly be seeing more of an AR in Skump's hands if we have Shotzi and Hook running around with subs. Uh, we'll certainly be some maps where they could run three subs with Hook, uh, Shotzi, and Skump, and you could even make the argument that that would be uh, 
could potentially be one of their strong suits if they're you know some of these smaller maps they could just cause chaos with three subs uh you got three of the the best sub players in call of duty history you know you, you definitely make the case for it so um that, that could be a strong suit for this team but again we'll have to wait and see until we actually you know, get get a taste for what this roster is capable of when uh qualifiers kick off here this weekend yeah i'm I'm interested in just like the idea of this roster because I don't think Hook has been especially impressive over the past few seasons, essentially since he left Dallas. Um, he's, of course, uh, had a hard time sticking around uh, teams with the Thieves. That was uh, a debacle in of itself, trying to like coming into the roster and then he was benched and then apparently he didn't sign his name correctly and then he got benched again and um, then he made to the Gorillas and they didn't do anything except win that major and then uh, kind of fall off a cliff in the back half of the season. Um, I just, you know, I, I'm interested to see if this could help who get back to where he was because I thought he was an incredible player in uh, 2020, so uh, Mon Warfare 2019. He was uh, a, a great piece for that Dallas Empire team and definitely a big reason why they ended up winning the world championship. But that's been a few years now, and um, who knows what kind of situation he's entering with this Optic team because obviously there's a lot of pressure on them, right? Uh that Scump is retiring this season and they just had a horrible placing, definitely the biggest disappointment of the first major. And who knows what kind of internal issues they still have to work through because if memory serves, they did not just drop Dashy for a day in uh, the off season. They also dropped Illy for a day. And I mean, that's, I, I I bring that up because I said it in the offseason. Let's see what happens when they have adversity in the season. When they get to a point where they're like, damn, this is hard. How do we get through this? How do they react? Um, because they've had these issues, and obviously they played out in public. To publicly drop a player or two players um, in the offseason and say, like, we're done, we're moving on, and then 24 hours say, nope, never mind, we're all good. And then to after to get to a point after the first major of the season where you're dropping one of those players again, I mean, I, I think there's a lot to work through, or I would assume there is a lot to work through for this Optic team, but maybe Hook is the right person to help them work through it and get them through this rough stretch. Um, but if things don't go well in, say, the first, uh, you know, the or the second major, or the second set of qualifying matches. What happens then? Um, do you make another roster change? Does Illy go down to the roster? Does Hoop get benched? What happens? Do you bring Dashy back because you're like we're paying you a lot of money and we really would we think you can be a big part of our roster? Do they try to get Pred again? Like, there's so many things that could happen if this team doesn't um i don't even know if expectations is the right word because uh optic fans have notoriously high expectations for their team but i don't think the expectations for this specific roster is as high it's probably the lowest it's been in a while for an optic team because hook hasn't been at the top form that he's 
you know he's been in in the past and this team has looked pretty pretty uh disappointing in just like a month ago so I, i'm not sure exactly uh what to expect of this roster but i'm gonna be pretty pretty excited to watch them because the reaction to them from the community will probably be pretty pretty incredible to be honest yeah, I think Hook's talent is undisputable, regardless yeah. of what form he currently is. I just I even remember uh, in Cold War when LAT just briefly had Hook out Nade Shot tweeted like you know is one of the best FPS players to ever touch FPS games. And if you have a chance to get a talent like that, you you take that chance. Um, so in theory, that's what we could be seeing here. Is um, you know, there were the rumors of our cities to optic, pred the optic, which we haven't really talked about, but that would have just been absolutely nuts and caused massive ripples throughout the rest of the CDL too. But um, with LAG parting ways with Hook, uh, this makes it a, a very easy change that didn't have a lot of other dominoes fall as a result. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's going to come down to, uh, you know, obviously Dashy was extremely talented as well. Uh, a little bit of a role change here, and we'll just have to wait and see how things shake out when they actually get into matches. Uh, before we move on from Optic, let it, let's talk about Pred for a second because this was kind of the biggest, this was definitely the biggest story that dominated uh, the COD scene over the past, whatever, week or two. Um, the idea, the rumor of Pred going to Optic to replace Dashy uh, was pretty attractive for everybody on the Optic side of the fence. Uh, of course, he's one of the best Call of Duty players in the world. Um, he was one of the best Call of Duty players in the world last season as well in his rookie year. And there is a lot to, you know, he has such a bright future. He's so young and I, it's pretty obvious why you would want a player like Pred on your roster. For me, though, it came down to, like, I, I, I don't need to kind of say why Optic needs it, but I need to wrap my head around why Seattle, of all teams, would make that move. And the answer is money. Like, that's the only answer that would ever make sense. Or, like, Pred is an awful teammate to be around. Like, those would be the only two answers that you could have that would make it make sense for Seattle to ever think about parting ways with Pred. And they apparently almost did it. Uh, Pred said in a stream that, quote, let's just leave it at everything that could have possibly happened to make it happen was attempted. Let's just say everything that was possible to make it happen was attempted. It was attempted to the highest level. It just wasn't possible. Done everything we could. It just wasn't possible. That That is a man that really wanted to wear an optic jersey on main stage. Um that is not someone that's like, well, it didn't happen, so who cares? That sounded like someone who really wanted to be on Optic. And like we said with RSDs, it makes sense why you would want to be on Optic. But at the same time, it's uh, you have to make a commitment, right? Like Optic committed to Dashy and they decided to move on. They decided to bench him and find a replacement. But Seattle had made a commitment to Pred when Pred, I don't believe, was a highly sought-after Challengers player uh, before last season. They committed to him. He committed to them. And that's just kind of how it goes. And Seattle is in such a good place. They are a championship contender. 
it makes no sense for them to part ways with Pred until they know that they cannot win a championship. I said it on Twitter and people were like, well, shouldn't they take it if they're getting however many hundreds of thousands of dollars and he's going to walk for free in the offseason? And my answer is absolutely not if they can win a championship. If they at any point before they have to lock in their roster, if at any point they say, we cannot win a championship with Pred on our roster, then that is the time that they make that move. They decide to send him to Optic or whatever team. But until that happens, he should be a part of the Seattle Surge roster because he he could walk for free. He could sign a big money contract with Optic in the offseason. But if they win champs, it's all good. They decide they're that they made the perfect play. If he walks away, it's like Kawhi Leonard when he played for the Toronto Raptors. He played one season. They knew he was probably not going to resign with the Toronto Raptors, and they decided to go ahead with it anyway. They did not trade him because they knew we can win a championship with him, or they thought they could win a championship, and they did. And he walked away. And you know what Toronto Raptors fans say about Kawhi Leonard? He is the greatest player that they've seen, probably other than Vince Carter. Um, it's it's ridiculous not to keep uh, Pred on your roster, and I'm very glad that Seattle did it. But Optic was apparently pretty close. So let me get your thoughts on it. Enough of me talking. What do you think about uh, the Pred almost going to Optic rumors? Yeah, so I think uh, there's obviously two ways kind of you, you hinted at it that you can look at this from. Uh, you can look at it from the perspective of Seattle wanting the money or wanting to win. Um, regardless of, of what side of the fence you're on, I, I think it's you know, there's value in, in both scenarios. Uh, but just to start, the, the one thing I feel like everybody has to remember is Seattle was arguably right up there with Paris before last year as one of the worst organizations in the CDL, just from a, a results standpoint. They they had a, a huge money, very expensive veteran roster in MW 2019 that didn't meet expectations. Uh, they struggled in the Cold War season two. Then they go into this complete roster revamp and, you know, they bring in accuracy and Mac, um, who Mac himself, despite what some people may consider him to be a veteran, I still don't. Mm -hmm. um, but you have the, to get the big moves, I, I have to, but I never will. Um, the, the two moves to accompany Mac inaccuracies were bringing in rookies, Pred and Sib. And obviously that just completely changed the entire dynamic of Seattle as a franchise, uh, allowing them to get a championship last year. Um, but at the same time, since they were on those rookie deals, uh, at least as far as we know, I uh, believe they signed one plus one extensions for this year. So that does put them in a position to potentially just have both Sib and uh, Pred walk away in this following offseason, which is a scary proposition for uh, Seattle fans just because, like you were saying, you know, they, they completely, you know, changed, flipped the script for uh, Seattle as a franchise. So uh, we they, they're, they can cross that road when they get there, but I, I think you're right. You know, what if... You, obviously, they get second place at Major 1. We saw them have success last year with this very same roster, which is one of the reasons they stuck with this roster heading into uh, 2023. So um, Seattle obviously has that potential, and that's one way to look at it. But I, I think the, the writing is on the wall unless Seattle uh, is somehow able to offer a very lucrative contract that other organizations aren't able to match. Uh, Pred might be one of the highest paid players in the offseason or in this following offseason. 
and I wouldn't be surprised to see him on Optic. I mean, just logistically speaking, it's, you know, Scump retiring one of the best SMG players of all time, and, you know, you got one of the best young SMG players potentially uh, waiting in the wings to replace him. So, um, could be a match made in heaven, but we'll, we'll cross that road when we get there. I do think it's interesting just on the overall topic of Optic as well, because I don't know when this dropped. It might have happened during our break, um, but I'm pretty sure there was some Optic content video or something like that where Scump kind of mentioned that nobody knew uh, in the offseason that Shotzi basically said, like, if Scump retired, he was going to leave Optic. Um, but if Scump stayed, Shotzi was going to stay. Uh, and that, that kind of was surprising to me just because you think of Optic in its current state, you know, heading in the next year with Scump most likely retiring, you feel like it's basically Shotzi's team from that point forward and he has the keys to the castle. But if he was considering leaving last year, that could completely change the entire offseason dynamic um, if he decides to walk away from Optic uh, this following year. So a whole lot of implications with this. Uh, it's certainly, I, I think... The, the only thing we didn't actually mention about the Pred thing was uh, Crone doing a not a report, but just basically revealing uh, in a tweet that uh, Seattle declined what would have been the largest deal in Call of Duty League history. I think he means uh, buyout-wise, which, if I'm not mistaken, it might have been the Hook deal, which was said before to be the largest buyout. I don't really know, obviously. don't have the sources like that, but... Um, there have been some pretty large buyouts. I know even there was the talks of when uh, Shotzi was acquired from Splice slash Toronto heading into the first year by the Dallas Empire. Uh, that was supposedly an astronomical buyout. I don't remember the number, and I'm pretty sure Hook even offered or he actually did pay part of it by reducing his salary, something along those lines. Um, so we've seen some pretty crazy... Uh, buyouts in, in Call of Duty history and to have Seattle be in a position where they decline potentially the largest buyout for a guy like Pred just shows um, how good slash impactful a guy like Pred is and um, like, like you kind of alluded to there, you know, barring any major ramifications chemistry-wise that this these rumors might have, which I don't think they will, um, because it seems like everything was like out in the open, at least from a Seattle standpoint here. Um, I think we're going to see Seattle continue to be a strong team throughout this year, and, and most likely a major factor of that will be Pred. Yeah, I, I definitely think that Seattle will be a contender uh, as we get closer to champs, which is you know very far away. But I, I believe that um, they've kind of found their groove. They might make a roster change at some point, but making that move and pushing Pratt out of the roster seems like probably the worst move that they could possibly make. Um, and I'm very glad that it didn't come down to a money thing where they decided to go for the cash instead of competing. And uh, it's just, it's refreshing because we've heard a lot or we, not heard, but we've seen a lot of what Paris slash Vegas have done over the past few years where they put out these uh, pretty lackluster rosters. They don't perform well at all. And then, you know, they kind of just like, it seems like they're biding their time until this, this thing is profitable, which I don't know if it'll ever be profitable. So why bank on that at all? Uh, but especially Seattle, it's like, 
if you're so close to being like a top level team consistently, why throw it all away? Because Optic isn't throwing it away. I'm sure that they're not profitable. They spend a ton, a ton of money on their players. Like you don't think Scump costs a lot. You don't think Shotzi costs a lot. Dashy, Illy, that roster is stacked and they paid a lot to stack it. And they just finished what like, they finish a top 12 Seattle finished second and we're you're like people are trying to convince me that Seattle should make that move no they shouldn't if optic can convince Seattle to make that move they should do that because then they have acquired one of the best players but uh, I'm very happy that it didn't happen because that would have absolutely sucked for the league to have one of the brightest stars one of uh, the very best players end up on optic when he he could stay on this other team and potentially compete with Optic throughout the entire year, um, I, I will. Yeah, you know, what are you saying? From a league standpoint, obviously, the league is at its highest when Optic is seeing success. Just from a viewership standpoint, um, and it's the most popular team with the most fans, so mm-hmm. people like to see Optic succeed. Um, I forget exactly where I was going with that, but, you know, it was just, you know, I I, I agree with your point that, like, you see in sports, a team that just made it to the Super Bowl probably isn't trading away their star player to um, a low team unless it's a contract situation or they're they're trying to get money or that that Super Bowl contender didn't, you know, have a great season and somehow just went on a miraculous run. Yeah. it would, you know, it would essentially be like, let's just use last year as an example, if the Bengals traded away Joe Burrow to the Browns last offseason. I like, would have been a really a, happy person last offseason. You off would have been happy, but it's a move that wouldn't have made sense yeah. because the Bengals were just in the Super Bowl, Browns coming off a lackluster season. Um, I, I guess that's, you know, the closest comparison I can think of right off the top of my head. But it, it would have, obviously, if Pred did go to Optic, it would have been a huge move that, would have had a ton of hype surrounding it, you know, Greenwald would have been going nuts every time he flexed on main stage at land events and stuff. Um, but for the health of the league overall, like I, I could see your point where having a team like Seattle be competitive um, is better than the, you know, drastic outcome of potentially them getting rid of Pred and then being not as good as they were before, which, you know, in theory is possibly what would have happened if they actually got rid of Pred just because of how talented Pred is. Yeah. I I just, I think of it like, uh, I really like the, you know, traditional sports analogies because it kind of, I mean, there's just the easiest way to think about it, but the Dallas Cowboys are undoubtedly the most popular NFL team. The Dallas Cowboys have essentially not been a contender for like a decade and or two decades or whatever. Like they haven't since I've been born, they have not really been competitive for like a, a Super Bowl um, for the most part, except for like Tony Robo, like bobbling a field goal. Um, <laughs> that's about it. Like that was their last uh, bit of like actual competitiveness. But sure, like Joe Burrow could have gotten traded to the Cowboys to really help the Cowboys a chances at a Super Bowl. But like, what is it in for the Bengals? Like, what are they, what do they really get? Like they get like a high draft pick. Yeah, that's cool. That actually sucks. I take it from me. I've been a Browns fan my entire life. Got another decent draft pick this year. It's not fun. Not fun at all. The, the draft sucks. But to get to my real point, it's like, 
Uh, it is true that Optic, when they are at their best, then viewership for the league and interest in the CDL is at its highest. But that's that's a concern for the CDL. You know, that's a concern for Activision as a whole. That's not a concern for Seattle. Like Seattle sure. should, and, and I think, uh, and I, you know this, like, but I think there are people in this community that think, well, why aren't other teams, why aren't other players like kind of helping optic because if optic is the biggest team the most popular team and the team that will help the league grow to new heights and get new people to watch then why why isn't the league and why aren't other players and teams helping them because they they don't they shouldn't need help they are optic like to to literally have one of the best players in the world on another team that is a championship contender that just finished third at champs last season and second in the first major of the season to get him to be like, man, it really sucks that I didn't go and leave my team for another team that finished top 12. That is the optic power. They have so much strength to bring in everybody and because everybody wants to play for optic. Everybody wants to have the optic juice and everybody wants to like get paid like an optic player but um you know like the seattle doesn't need to help them neither does florida or whoever optic needs to help themselves that's that's all there is and it would have been a good move I, i'm not saying that like optic if they would have made that move it would have been a great move they would have been a heist like it doesn't matter how much money it is it's all about like winning at the end of the day and yep. especially in and scumps last season if they could go out with a championship then you could pay a million dollars you could pay a 1.5 million it doesn't matter because that was worth it in the end um, no, you make a movie about that and make that money back <laughs> yeah like they'll, they'll bring back vision and hitch will be producing every week about scump winning a championship it'll be amazing and everyone will watch but uh seattle they're doing their own thing they want to win a championship for them and they don't want to kind of handicap themselves to allow optic to sneak into a championship Yep, as cool as Optic Pred might be, and you can make the case that we might see might Optic Pred next be. year. Um, yeah, I, I think as cool as that is, it's just not the reality we're in. And barring anything crazy happening coming up soon, uh, we should see Pred potentially competing in championship Sundays with Seattle for the rest of the season. Yeah, let's get to another roster change before uh, we hop into the predictions and whatnot. Uh, Paul X has been benched by the London Royal Ravens in place of scraps. Um, and this was, you know, it's not that interesting in general just because uh, London is not a great team. And um, it's it's kind of disappointing that Paul X has now been benched by uh, another team. And uh, this was just like we talked about with like Neptune and uh, Spart. This is a pretty limited sample size that they're being judged on. But Pollux, uh, what made it really interesting to me was that Pollux tweeted uh, that he was going to be in the elite qualifier uh, in Challengers. And then there was kind of a back and forth between Pollux and Scraps, where Scraps basically was like, why are you leaking that I'm going to be on the roster and Paul X was like, well, who cares? You know, like I, I, I love that a uh, bit about Call of Duty is like 
people on uh, the players on Twitter are so much more open than like traditional sports. Like you're not going to see Andy Dalton like subtweeting like another quarterback for taking his spot on on the depth chart. But in Call of Duty, that is something that happens. Uh, let me get your thoughts on this uh, move for London. Um, this is the first time we've seen scraps in a while and competitive. How do you think it goes? Yeah, I think first off, I want to say um, I, I'm. I, Paul tweeted on January 5th that he's taking a step back uh, from competing as a result of all this. Um, he said he's still a substitute for London there. Uh, they're supporting him in this, but, uh, you know, it seems like, like a mental health, break, mental health break or something along those lines. So wishing him the best. Um, but just scraps back in the CDL is, is good no matter what way you look at it, really. He's uh, arguably one of the most popular European players uh, and one of the funniest players in, in general. His interviews are always comedy. So um, I think from that viewpoint, it's good to have Scraps back. And I'm, I'm pretty sure, I don't think I predicted Scraps for Paul X necessarily, but I think I predicted uh, London to be the first to make a roster change just because it seemed like almost mm -hmm. an inevitability that Scraps would find his way back in the league again. Being a European player on the, the, the European org now, um, just seemed inevitable, but uh, Scraps is a really good player. Obviously, took a little bit of a break since we last saw him in the league, but um, should be exciting to see him back. And you know, after London's most recent performance, uh, might be unfortunate, like you said, for Paul and small sample size, all that. But it seemed like something had to give, something had to change, and just turns out that's the move London decided to make. And um, we'll now get to see what Scraps is able to do competing once again obviously was a strong player when he last competed in the league um was on paris i believe his yeah. last time in the league so uh yeah this making a return to london from the first season of the uh, cdl and uh yeah we'll just get to see what he's if he's able to uh re rebound from a little bit of a break and still has what it takes which i'm sure he does yeah uh i'm excited to see uh maddie back he's one of the most entertaining people in COD. Uh, I hope that Weskin uh, eventually returns as well because them together is uh, ridiculous. I don't know what half of their saying because they're they have the very thick Manchester accents, but um, they're very fun together. Scraps is a great player. Weskin a great player, and I do think that uh, London. Uh, I think the identity of London really does is rooted in the fact that they have. Uh, historically fielded almost all Europe or almost all English players and to have another Englishman on the team um, is very great to see, especially since like you mentioned, they are the only European org uh, remaining now that Paris has moved to Vegas. Um, and as for Paul X, uh, like you said, I, I hope that his mental health break or his, his break um, and we're presuming it's going to be uh, a big mental health thing. Um, I hope it goes well and I hope that he gets kind of the, the rest he needs because man, like it's, it's gotta be real stressful to grind COD all the time, especially with how bad Call of Duty is like half of the time and how much crap that they have to deal with, with like how many games crash and like the practice and the scrims and the metas and the GAs and then to go to a tournament um, and then not perform as well as you would like, and then to come back home and then be benched. Uh, I'm sure it's not great, and um, you know I just wish him the best, and I, I hope everybody is taking care of their mental health because that's 
obviously super, super important. Just like Bink needed a few weeks off uh, from the podcast to deal with this non-COVID thing. If he was like, hey, man, I'm just not feeling it. Uh, let's take a few weeks off. I'd be perfectly fine. And it sounds like I'm being facetious. I'm not, but it does sound like that. Uh, but I'm ho- I'm hope that uh, Paul, um, you know, he takes the step back that he needs and he comes back even stronger because we've seen it with like Clayster. He's talked about it before that he he's real burnout, uh, kind of like at his wits end. And now he's back with the the Legion. Um, we've seen other players take mental health breaks uh, before and come back and, and compete at a very high level. So um, it is definitely needed. Uh, you know, it's it should be taken when needed. Um, but yeah, this London roster now will uh, have scraps on it. Um, and that kind of concludes the roster mania portion of the show. Uh, not... Uh, a ton of roster mania stuff, uh, just a lot of rumors and a lot of implications really is kind of the big thing with Pred. Um, the idea of Pred being on Optic now is going to be at the forefront of every uh, Optic fan's mind probably for the next year or so, um, especially if Seattle falters and the idea of him coming back, uh, coming to Optic, becomes closer to reality. Uh, but, but now that we've done the roster mania stuff, let's get to the major two qualifiers stuff because we went a while without doing predictions, but you can't get away from it any longer. Uh, we're going to do the first week, which is um, a little bit of a short week, but there's going to be another uh, week of qualifiers in major two. Um, then there were major one, which only had two weeks of matches. So let's get through it. Friday, January 13th, I will be turning 25 years old that day. But the most important thing is obviously the three Call of Duty League matches that will be taking place on that day. The first of which, Toronto versus London. Who do you have? Toronto. I'm also going at the Ultra. Um, I mean... Let's just see how Scraps does uh, with London. And uh, of course, this is online, so who knows exactly yeah. what will happen. But uh, I will go Toronto as well. The Boston Breach versus the Minnesota Rocker. I'm going to go with the Boston Breach. I'm I'm just, I'm feeling them. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going with Boston. Or Sorry, I'm going with Minnesota. But I feel like Boston is a tough team to judge right now. Like we said, obviously, an hour ago at this point. Um they had unfortunate circumstances with Awakening being sick at the major. And, you know, Awakening was arguably their best player during the week one qualifiers when they saw the most success. Obviously, that was an M4 meta versus the meta now. But, uh, you know, you got to factor in that illness. And ideally, assuming he just wasn't, you know, play, able to play up to his best. Um, so it's unclear how much of a res- impact that has. You would assume it has a major impact on a team like Boston, though. So we could see them bounce back. Um, but I will take Minnesota in this one. And the last match of my birthday, Vegas versus Seattle. Please, Vegas, give me a nice birthday gift. But I'm going with Seattle. <laughs> I'm going with Seattle, too. I could see Vegas taking this one. Like I said, if there's some chemistry stuff going on with Seattle, you know, Vegas could uh, capitalize on that with the first match following the Pred rumors. Uh, but, you know... Barring another inconsistent Seattle thing where, you know, they go on one of those streaks where they struggle a little bit. Uh, I think they should take this one. Uh, Saturday, January 14th, 
Florida versus LAG. I'm going to go with Florida um, LAG. This will be their first match with uh, the LAG Academy trio joining RCDs. Uh, who do you have? I'm going to go with LAG. I think it's a it's a good matchup for um, you know those guys coming in, uh, especially Joe Deceives. You know, it's not like he has to play Atlanta Phase or you know now New York, the top dogs from the past major. Um, Although Florida did play well at Major 1, better than expectations, I think this is a good opening matchup with uh, potential for it to go either way, and I'll just go with LAG. Uh, London versus Minnesota. I'm going to go with Rocker. Um, Again, I I don't know what scraps will look like with London, but if London completely steamroll the Ultra on day one, I probably would have a different pick, but I don't have that, uh, that benefit right now. Yeah, go Minnesota too. Atlanta versus Seattle. Um, I'm going to go with Seattle. Atlanta, um, who knows what the online stuff, but Seattle's had Atlanta's number most of the time, and I'm going to think that's going to keep happening. Yeah, when we were doing, I was typing the notes before the show, I, you know, let out a little audible cue when I was just going through the matches here. This was the one that jumped off the page right away for obvious reasons that we've talked about. Uh, but despite past history, I will go with Atlanta here. And the final match of Saturday, LA Thieves versus the New York Subliners. I think you have to go with New York after winning the first major. Um, but, you know, crazier things have happened. Yeah, I'm going to go with New York here too, but this is definitely another good match. Uh, LAT will be looking to try to bounce back after a, you know, quote-unquote disappointing performance at Major 1 just compared to uh, the back-to-back chips to end last year. So uh, should be a good one here to end Saturday. Sunday, January 15th, Toronto versus Florida. Uh, I think I got to go with the Ultra. Me too. Optic versus Boston Breach. So Hook's uh, Optic debut. I'm going to go with the Breach. Um, maximum chaos. Uh, <laughs> if if they, Especially if they get steamrolled in their first match together. But uh, I, I, I do think that the Breach will come out on top. I'm going to go with Optic. I think, you know, similar to the LAG versus Florida match, this is, again, another situation, obviously different circumstances because Hook isn't a rookie by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, for a new roster, again, you don't have to play against a team like uh, Atlanta or New York right off the rip. You're, you're playing against Boston. No, no disrespect to those guys, but they're coming off their own struggles. So uh, on paper, this is, you know, a – a good matchup for new roster. So uh, I'll take optic here. And the final match of the weekend, a battle for Los Angeles, LAT versus LAG. I'm going to go with the thieves. Um, Me too. Yeah. It, it, you got to go with them, right? Because of the gorillas new roster. And even with their new roster, it's the world champions. You think that they might get it together uh, after a, you know, somewhat disappointing major one. The one thing I will say about this one too, though, is I'm I'm pretty sure uh, both of these teams are actually in facilities in LA. Um, I know the LAG guys were moving out there. I'm pretty sure, um, and obviously the Thieves have that that compound where the players play out of. I'm pretty sure. So, um, although it's a quote unquote online match, if, if they're both in LA, that that's that should be a good ping situation where we don't hear. Uh, you know, some of those online complaints we had last year where, you know, like LA was playing from LAT was playing from uh, 
LA against those East Coast teams and and struggling with the online matches and stuff. So could be a, uh, as close to land scenario as possible for an online match with two teams in LA. But uh, at the end, I still think the Thieves should take this one. Yep, same. Uh, since we didn't do any predictions for the first major, uh, we just have the pick'em records from the qualifiers. Uh, so we are both ten and fourteen. Not a hot start for us. Um, I mean, we're we're still heating up. We're we're second half players. We this is all just pre- preliminary stuff for us right now. Uh, we'll get it together when Optic gets it together and they start winning and we start winning as well, right? Sure, we'll go with that. Sounds good. Um, all right, that that about does it. Um, we'll be back hopefully next week, unless Bink gets another uh, life-threatening illness and he has to. <laughs> no, I I shouldn't blame him all on that because I wasn't like too hot on doing the podcast either. Like when he's like, "Hey, I'm sick," and I was like, "Okay," like, <laughs> and then we just stopped talking for like basically three weeks, and that I mean I was just. I'm lazy. Like I have to be pushed to do things. So, um, but hopefully we will be back next week to uh, recap the first week of the major qualifiers and talk about the second week of the major qualifiers. Um, we'll definitely be discussing like how Hook looks on Optic, how the new LAG uh, roster looks, and how the the new London roster looks now that Scraps is uh, a part of it. Um, but uh, yeah, that's something to look forward to. Uh, for next week make sure to subscribe or like the the podcast on whatever platform you're listening or watching on make sure you give us a five-star rating on apple Podcasts and spotify follow us on twitter at at jbink with two k's at pres buyers and at ego chow podcast the uh, next show should be january 17th maybe um but uh, I, I like doing them on tuesdays because i it's just easier on me to do them earlier in the week and get them done than wait till Thursday and then have to get it up early and stuff. So uh, hopefully January 17th, but uh, we will keep you updated um, or we'll just pop up in your feeds uh, if you make sure to follow us. Um, But yeah, that about does it. Take it away, Bink. Yep. Thank you guys as always for tuning in again. Apologies for our little hiatus. Uh, unexpectedly during uh major and the last week of the major one qualifiers but like you said earlier should be back now for the long haul and uh looking forward to giving you guys all the cdl content you can expect so uh short and sweet thank you guys as always and remember to send the chat